Listen carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. I was wrong. Blue 58! Hey there, and welcome to Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm John Meerdink, your host, back again for another episode. Lots to talk about today. We're going to kind of skip headlines for this week because all of the headlines really related to cutdown day. Yesterday, the Packers had to be down to 75 people on the roster by roughly the end of business on Tuesday. They have made that, and they've made quite a few moves to get to that number. But before we get to the actual cuts, the moves that the Packers made, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what happened across the border in Minnesota. Obviously, a huge blow for the Minnesota Vikings in their practice on Tuesday, apparently losing Teddy Bridgewater for the season. We'll probably have more details by the time this podcast goes live, but for right now, it looks like a very, very serious knee injury for Teddy Bridgewater. I knew right away it was going to be serious. I got a text from my buddy Luke right as I was walking onto the football field for my football practice today. Not my football practice, the practice for the team that I coach, the 7th grade Jackson Creek Middle School Jaguars in Bloomington, Indiana. Go Jaguars. Uh, He texted me just as I was walking onto the field Tuesday afternoon, uh, Bridgewater down, non-contact. And that's when you know things are going to be really bad. Uh, The news conference later that afternoon, Mike Zimmer confirming, yeah, it looks pretty bad. Don't know exactly what the injury is yet, but it's got to be more than just a torn ACL or something like that. You figure, right? Uh, Word is he had to take an ambulance from the field. Uh, you don't need an ambulance for a torn ACL. Uh, Heard dislocated knee being thrown around, possible fractured femur. We don't know what it is. We do know it's bad, and we do know this changes things quite a bit in the NFC North. Now, if there are Vikings fans listening to this, I will say you may be in a little bit of trouble. I was thinking... Tuesday afternoon, how to spin this as positively as possible. If I was a Vikings fan, I just can't do it. There's not a lot on the roster beyond Teddy Bridgewater, and I wasn't that sold on Teddy Bridgewater to begin with. He's a great young quarterback. He's really, really good under about 20 yards. Uh, I would have some concerns about his arm strength, but he can he can take care of a game for you about as well as you could possibly ask someone to do. Definitely a player on the rise. Without him, boy, I don't know. Who's up next? Sean Hill for the Vikings? And it's not like there's a whole lot of help available outside the organization. Maybe you hope somebody gets cut and you pray for some good results in Minnesota. But the free agent market as it stands right now, pretty sparse. Uh, Adam Kaplan uh, reporting for the ESPN NFL Insider coverage. Uh, list the best available quarterbacks. There's some more out there, but it's rough. Uh, His list, Tavares Jackson, Rex Grossman, who turned down the Cleveland Browns job that he would have had in the bag two years ago, said, I would rather stay at home. Uh, Matt Flynn, Charlie Whitehurst, just cut the other day. Michael Vick, Austin Davis, Josh Freeman, Jimmy Clausen, and TJ Yates. I mean, take your pick from any one of those. I mean, it's it's not going to get you a whole lot. Personally, I'd probably go Matt Flynn, Michael Vick, then the field. I mean, if Colin Kaepernick Kaepernick gets cut, maybe you bring him in. Sure couldn't hurt, I guess. But, boy, that's a heck of a blow to Minnesota. 
that's about all I have to say about that without the, uh, the official word on the Bridgewater injury, but obviously we'll keep our eyes on that. Seriously shakes things up in the NFC North. Obviously this gives the Packers a huge leg up, but until we learn officially what's wrong with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if I want to say a whole lot else. Uh, back to the Packers who made some moves of their own Tuesday afternoon, had to get down to 75 men on the roster, made a few moves to make that happen. Uh, The quick and dirty here, they cut Harvey Binford, uh, sent Kennard Backman, uh, John Crockett, Jacob Flores, Mitchell Henry, and Josh Walker to injured reserve. Sounds like all of those players are ultimately going to be waived be an injury settlement, though I wouldn't be surprised if they kept maybe a guy like Josh Walker around just to retain his rights for another year, see what he can do in one more training camp. Big, strong dude, can play a couple positions on the offensive line, maybe give him another shot. But all those guys off the roster for the time being. And then uh, they trade outside linebacker Lorenti McCray to Buffalo for a conditional draft pick. Now this draft pick not next year, the year after that, uh, conditional picks depend on typically a player being on the roster. Uh, this one, a conditional seventh round pick, that one is almost always tied to the player staying on the roster for a certain number of games. So I would imagine it's tied to something like McCray making the roster out of training camp. He'll have a one game shot here with Buffalo to see if they want to keep him around and then playing maybe a certain amount of games this year. Don't have any idea how his future could shape up in that respect. I'm not super familiar with Buffalo's linebacking core. I do know they've had some injuries uh, to a couple draft picks already, including Reggie Ragland, who everybody wanted the Packers to pick. Um, But we'll see. Uh, Certainly is worth a shot. Better than cutting him and getting nothing if you can trade him, even if it's just a conditional seventh. See what can happen. Uh, The other big interesting move, probably the most interesting one that happened today, is a switch at punter. Uh, The Packers have cut Tim Mastay outright and claimed uh, uh, Tampa Bay, I almost said New Orleans, Tampa's uh, Jacob Shum, who they waived over the weekend. Shum, 27 years old, was the Bucks punter for all of their games last season, headed to Green Bay now really seems that his strength is getting punts down within the 20. Uh, the Packers do a lot of directional kicking, something that Mass they struggled with last year, and if Shum can do that, I guess that puts him in a better position than Mass they to help out the Packers this year. So there you have it. Packers down to 75. They'll have to be down to 53 by sometime this weekend. I think the deadline is on Saturday, but I don't know for that for sure. Probably should look that up. Um, it happens sometime this weekend. Uh, and they'll get a good look at the rest of their roster during Thursday night's preseason game in Kansas City, which we'll talk about here in a little bit as it pertains to the roster. And uh, then they'll go from there. Then we're off to the regular season. Here we are in episode five of Blue 58. We're already starting to talk about the start of the regular season. Feels a little bit strange, I have to be honest. Uh, seems like we've been doing this a long time already, but training camp officially over the last play of training camp. Uh, has been completed, and the Packers now preparing uh, to travel to Kansas City and get ready for preseason game uh, number four. Should have been number five, but here we are, the fourth preseason game. We'll see what those guys on the bottom end of the roster have to do 
uh, to work their way to that final 53. And we're going to go position by position through the 53-man roster uh, as we head uh, towards that fourth and final preseason game, see how we do prediction-wise, and uh, see what we can do as far as predicting that final roster. But first, before we get to that main topic, just want to remind you that uh, if you have a question, if you have a thought, if you have an idea for something you'd like to see us cover, never hesitate to reach out to us. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Both places can contact us by typing in the at sign, then the power sweep, or check us out. We are on email as well. We have gotten with the 20th century and gotten ourselves an email address. It's thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com, thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. And I would encourage you to just let us know any questions you have about the podcast, about the website, anything that you'd like to see us cover a bit more in depth. We would be more than happy to do it. Don't be afraid to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dig into this roster. You may remember that on thepowersweep.com, we put out something near the very start of training camp called the way-too-early roster prediction. And it was just that, way too early. And also really poorly thought out and executed, really not a great effort in just about every possible way that you want to slice it. For instance, predicted that the Packers would keep no fewer than eight defensive linemen. Haven't kept more than five in about three seasons, four seasons, maybe since they played uh, a 4-3 defense. But for some reason, I thought they would keep eight. Didn't really think that through. Also thought maybe just four cornerbacks on the final 53-man roster. Again, didn't really think this through a whole lot. Uh, That roster also predicted just six wide receivers. uh, One of them not named, Jared Aberderis. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, Aside from that, basically similar to what you would see from more or less everyone. I think there's a lot of consensus about what the Packers are going to be doing on offense and on defense as far as roster this year. Um, you may find it interesting that uh, I also predicted the Packers would keep four tight ends. Like I said, way too early roster prediction. Now through one round of cuts, a little bit closer to the end of the preseason, I think we've got a pretty good idea what the Packers are thinking in terms of their final roster. I think. Could be wrong, but let's let's take a look through this. Uh, I know this runs counter to some of the ways that uh, other people construct their roster projections, but I always go through this in the in the list that in the way that positions pop up on the Madden football game series. Um, so we go quarterback, running back, fullback, tight end, wide receiver, offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, we go D line, linebackers, cornerback, safety, and then the specialists. So starting with quarterbacks, assuming that Brett Hundley's ankle injury isn't too bad. And we'll know, I think, within the next couple of days, I hope so, uh, what the status is going to be. I think the Packers still only keep two quarterbacks. I said last week that I didn't think Joe Callahan could play at the NFL level. He made a couple of nice throws in last week's preseason game, but, I mean, an NFL quarterback should be able to, to do that. They, they should be able to to complete a throw like that. And come on. They weren't that spectacular. That 51-yarder to Allison, I think, is about the extent of his arm strength. It looked like he put about everything he had into that ball. Good throw. But if that's the biggest throw that we can get from Joe Callahan, I'm sure it's there. Now, do you keep him around as sort of an emergency number three type guy? Maybe. Maybe. If Brett Hundley's ankle is anything less than what, like 
80% heading into week one, maybe you try to keep Joe Callahan around. The problem is, where else do you cut? That's a roster spot he's taken up, so where do you go short in order to keep that third quarterback that you're hopefully not going to need anyway? I don't have an answer. Uh, Obviously, uh, if I had an answer, I wouldn't be doing podcasts about the roster. I'd be actually putting together a roster. But I think if they can avoid it in any possible way, they're not going to go with three quarterbacks. Pretty simple position. Running back, I think we had this one decided by injury. Brandon Burks gets the number three running back job kind of by default. So you'll have Eddie Lacy starting James Starks as the primary backup. Then Brandon Burks, the Troy product, uh, coming in as the third string back. Doesn't really matter all that much. Did a post on this uh, late last week. The third string running back contributes almost nothing to the Packers offense. Just in terms of rushing, on average since 2010, it's been under 5% of their total output. Some years it's been as low as 1%. Third string running backs just don't get used a whole lot in Green Bay. And I don't think Brandon Burks is the kind of guy who's really going to change that. He, he seems all right, but if you squint, he looks almost the same as John Crockett. Not a whole lot of difference there. And Crockett's guy, who, I mean, he, as good as he was, uh, really didn't play all that much last year. I think he ended up with, like, what, 21 rushing yards? So really not a, a big deal there. Not a whole lot going on in the bottom end of the running back depth chart. Aaron Ripkowski, uh, I mean, he easily beats out El Steve Squirewell. And he should. Squirewell's just learning the position. Seems like he has some potential. Seems like an okay receiver. He isn't an NFL fullback, at least not yet. And I don't think something like practice squad is really going to be a place where the Packers would look to use a spot on a fullback. So quarterback, running back, fullback, really no major surprises. Tight end. I don't see the Packers keeping more than three here. Beyond Perillo, I mean, it was supposed to be Kennard Backman. This was the year he was supposed to put it together. Didn't happen. Um, listening to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Packers podcast, the the guys there, Michael Cohen and Bob McGinn, kind of had a, a good, not even kind of, they had a good point about Backman and the difference between him and Justin Perillo. When you look at Perillo, it seems like he knows what he is. And I would even go a little bit farther to say he's comfortable with what he is, at least as a player. Don't know about his personal life, but uh, he knows what he can do on a football field. He knows his limitations. He knows how to figuratively, and literally, I guess he played a little bit on the kickoff team, he knows how to stay in his lane. Doesn't try to do too much. He's where he's supposed to be. He catches the ball and it's open because he runs good routes. Backman just never seemed comfortable. Didn't seem like he knew what he was as a football player. And I think my theory is that's kind of what happens when you are a guy who's super athletic at the small school college level. Uh, Backman went to the same school that produced Brandon Bostick. And if you don't know who Brandon Bostick is, that's fine. Don't look it up. It'll just make you sad. Uh, but he was much in the in the mold of a Brandon Bostick. Very athletic, more of a just a giant wide receiver in college than an actual tight end. But the funny thing about that is when you get to the NFL, everyone is super athletic. 
everyone was the best player on their college team or among the best players on their college team. So when guys who rely on their athleticism end up at the NFL level, sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to figure out how to be an effective player. Backman never seemed to get to that point where he figured out how to be an effective player. Didn't really figure out what his shtick was as an NFL tight end. Justin Perillo may have reached his ceiling already. We may be seeing peak Justin Perillo, but at least he knows what that is, and he knows how to get the absolute most out of that ability. So, three tight ends for the Packers. Moving on to wide receiver. This is where things get a little bit tricky. And first, I have to issue a mea culpa, because I let off the show by saying I was wrong. I think Jared Aberderis is going to make the final 53-man roster. And I don't think it's particularly close. I think he, beyond um, Cobb and Nelson, you go by the day, who's the best receiver after that? Devontae Adams did some good things. Ty Montgomery is Ty Montgomery. And Jared Aberderis hit a great camp. Scored a nice-looking touchdown the other night from Joe Callahan. He's going to make it. But that still only gets us to six. So I've got Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, obviously. Stone Cold Locks. No chance they don't make the roster. Unless they get hit by a bus between now and the end of the week. Devontae Adams, he's coming back. Ty Montgomery, no reason to cut him. Trevor Davis, he's a draft pick, so I think he's going to make it. And then you got Jared Aberderis. The name I'm leaving off that list right now is Jeff Janis. And I think going to happen is he might be headed to injured reserve. Packers are doing everything they can to take a look at him with a cast on his hand this week. And if you're putting a cast on the hand of the wide receiver, he's either a transcendent talent at wide receiver, or it really doesn't matter if he catches the ball at all. My theory right now is that the Packers are just seeing how well he can tackle with a cast on his hand. Think right now, at least, they are past the point of wondering if Jeff Janis can ever develop into a productive NFL wide receiver. I don't think they care. They're looking at Jeff Janis for his special teams contributions, his punt coverage and kick return abilities, in that order, I think, too. If you're just trying to make a 53-man roster, I think the easiest route at wide receiver is to stick Janis on injured reserve, see how he's feeling in a month and a half, two months, Maybe you bring him back. Maybe you use that injured reserve designated to return slot. See what he can do. If not, you control his rights for another year and we just push this decision off by another year. Maybe that by that point, Devontae Adams has completely given up on football and decided to become an itinerant minister or something like that. Maybe that decision just gets made for you. Maybe in the meantime, somebody gets injured and uh, you really have a reason to bring Janice back off injured reserve. I'm not saying the Packers need to put him on injured reserve. I'm not saying I know his injury is bad enough that he needs to go that direction. But if you're looking for a way to make a 53-man roster and try to hold on to the rights for as many players as you can, that's one route. There's also the possibility, and this will come up at a couple other positions as well, uh, that someone comes down with a case of, I don't know, a mysterious knee injury. Maybe something they had in college that just happens to flare up here just right after the fourth preseason game, if you know what I'm saying. 
Maybe Trevor Davis uh, rolls his ankle, stepping out of bed or something, and he needs to spend the season on injured reserve. Wouldn't that be a shame? Don't act like teams don't do this, too. Uh, I think it was the New York Daily Post did a great story on what they called. They did it from the perspective of the New York Jets because the Jets are having all kinds of problems at quarterback. They've got four quarterbacks and no reason to keep four. No real reason. If you're honest, looking at the Jets quarterback depth chart, no reason to keep three. But they've got this guy, Christian Hackenberg, who's their fourth string guy. He's done nothing in training camp. And the beat writer said, look, Patriots do this all the time. Just tell him he needs to be on injured reserve for a year and figure out a reason. These cases never get investigated. And it's kind of just a little bit of gamesmanship. The Packers are going to do that at some some position. They're going to figure out a way to get a guy to injured reserve. Uh, just so they can bring him back next year and say, hey, we'll take another look at you next time around. Stay in the building, stay healthy, stay ready. It's going to happen. At any rate, I think six wide receivers for the Packers, they'll figure out a way to keep all seven of their top guys, though. And a, pro- a couple of those other guys probably end up on practice squad. We'll get to that in a little bit. Offensive line. I've got nine right here with Corey Lindsley headed to the physically unable to perform list. Five starters, pretty obvious. Bakhtiari, Sitton, Treader, Lang, Balaga. No real reason to talk about those. The other four, uh, Don Barclay, Jason Spriggs, Lane Taylor, and Kyle Murphy. Uh, Murphy, I think, is the, the surprise there for me. Uh, I think the Packers' just reluctance to cut their draft picks is what's going to save him. Hasn't been necessarily bad, but I don't think you could qualify his preseason as overwhelmingly good either. Um, I think he is the ninth of the nine. If they go with fewer than that, he's they're going to cut him and try to get him to the practice squad. Uh, Don Barclay, surprisingly good camp. May have been wrong about him too. Thought he was done with his knee injury, but he has battled back. And looky here, Don Barclay, the center. Who'd have thunk it? Maybe they should have had him there all along. Seems like a good fit. Seems like the sort of body type, the demeanor that uh, fits well at center. And uh, that versatility may be what saved him. He can play, if you had to, guard tackle or center. Probably center, right guard, and right tackle, if we're honest. But who knows? Don Barclay could probably play left guard, too, if he had to. Jason Spriggs, he's not going anywhere. Second-round pick. He'll be the first lineman off the bench if there's any sort of injury to either of the tackles. Lane Taylor, probably the best pure guard out of the start outside the starting lineup. I don't know what that says at this point, but they gave him a big signing bonus in the offseason. I don't think they're going to throw that kind of money at him and then cut him. I've been wrong before, been wrong in this podcast. I'll be wrong again this week. We'll see. Not a whole lot to say there. Uh, it's kind of a crapshoot on the offensive line. They could keep as few as seven. They could keep as many as ten. Who knows? We'll see. Defensive line. This gets a little bit tricky. Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Latroy Guy on my top three. From there, Dean Lowry and Christian Ringo. Mike Pennell starts the game suspended or starts the season suspended. They'll leave him on the suspended list for four games and then make a decision from there. Injuries will probably ultimately solve this fr- this problem for the Packers. Somebody will get hurt. They'll be able to bring Pennell back with no real problems. I don't feel super great about this group. Um, And the Packers, obviously, I've known about weaknesses here for some time. I don't really know what to do either. Don't love a guy like Terrence Knighton. I've written about that on thepowersweep.com. Really just a guy, just a body. 
maybe that's what you need at this point. If Latroy Guyon's knee injury turns out to be serious, maybe you bring in a guy like Terrence Knighton. Maybe I'll be wrong again this week. Who knows? But as far as what's on the roster now, I don't see really any reason to keep anybody beyond this five. You could even make the case if you really want for four. I don't think Ringo's been all that special this year, and I don't think anybody else has really done enough to really justify sticking around. Lowry's big. He's athletic. He sticks around. He's a draft pick, of course. Inside linebackers, this one doesn't get too complicated. Jake Ryan, uh, Blake Martinez, Sam Barrington, and Joe Thomas. I think Thomas has done enough. Um, he'll be the fourth inside linebacker. Wouldn't be super surprised to see them go with three, considering what they can do with Clay Matthews and what they've been doing a little bit with uh, with Morgan Burnett in sort of that super linebacker, hybrid, whatever you call it. Somebody's got to come up with a name for that because I get tired of saying hybrid. just sounds kind of dumb. Uh, outside linebacker, again, uh, with Laurenti McRae headed out of town via trade. Not a whole lot to say here. Uh, Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers, obviously your big guns there. Nick Perry. Uh, and Dayton Jones, probably your next pair, and then Kyler Fackrell and J. Rowan Elliott uh, beyond that. Not super excited about Fackrell or Elliott here, but I think you just need the bodies. Fackrell's athletic. Elliott is athletic. Neither one has shown much as far as pass rush um, this preseason. Hopefully both can continue to develop Fackrell, especially because he's already 25. But I mean, they're bottom of the roster guys. And if you got a guy as big and athletic as either Elliott or Fackrell, you probably can justify keeping him around just for special teams. So unless the backers want to shuffle the depth, uh, the, decks, the, the deck chairs a little bit there and try to pick somebody up on waivers like they did with the punter this week, I don't see that changing a whole lot. And I don't see a whole lot of reason to go any other real direction beyond that. Cornerback, Sam Shields, Demarius Randall, uh, Quentin Rollins, Ladarius Gunter. Your top four. Really no reason to cut any one of those four, and he wouldn't. Beyond that, I've got Josh Hawkins, Robertson Daniel um, staying on the roster. I think you can make a case for just about every cornerback outside those top four. Uh, McKinton Dorliant has something like a hamstring injury, and he could be one of those guys the Packers say, you know what, I think you're going to need about a year to recover from that hamstring injury. Why don't you check with us back again about OTAs and spend the rest of the season on injured reserve? They seem to like a lot of these undrafted guys and have done a lot as far as trying to develop them over the past few years, and Joe Witt Jr. has done a terrific job doing that. Dorlian seems like one of those guys that could end up on injured reserve. And, of course, you've got Dimitri Goodson, who's going to be out the first four games of the year because of that suspension. So maybe this is another position where the Packers just try to fit a few guys on the roster, six or so, look at another couple on the practice squad, and then hopefully injuries or something shakes it out for you and Dimitri Goodson comes back and does his special teams thing later on in the season. Safety, I've got the Packers keeping five. Morgan Burnett. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, uh, uh, Micah Hyde, and Chris Banjo. That's about my descending order of preference there. Um, I've got them keeping Kentrell Bryce over Marwin Evans. I think Bryce just has a little bit more of an upside in terms of athleticism. Evans seems like a guy who may be able to make it to the practice squad. I don't know. Hard to say. Um, Bob McGinn seems to think he'd get claimed if the Packers release him. A little bit hard time believing that, um, but... We'll see. I think we tend to get a little bit higher on our own guys than maybe other teams around the league do. 
But if the, the Packers decide that they can cut and run and try to get him on the practice squad, see what you do. I don't think with the athleticism that Kentrell Bryce has, there's any way he makes it to the practice squad. That's just me. We'll see what the Packers do later this week. Finally, um, the three specialists, Mason Crosby, manages to hold off all comers, win the kicking job for another season. Good job, Mason. Uh, Jacob Schum, the new punter, if they thought highly enough of him to claim him off waivers sight unseen and release Tim Mastay, he's probably going to make the, the final roster. But stranger things have happened. And Rick Lovato, for now, he's their starting long snapper. So there you have it. That's my best guess at the 53-man roster, along with a few justifications. We'll see how we do later this week uh, after the Packers play that final preseason game. What am I looking for in the final preseason game? Uh, Really just uh, backup linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs. Really think they're pretty set at every other position on the roster, and those are really, really the only areas where people can separate themselves. The other places, either you're fighting uphill against draft picks, established players, or there's just not enough of them around to really make much difference. Uh, Something like defensive line. What are you really going to do? There's just not enough quality bodies around there to make much of a jump here uh, this late in the preseason. If there was somebody who was going to make a push, we'd probably have heard of them by now. So that's just my best guess. We'll see what happens in this final preseason game and then head off to the regular season. Next week, we'll do a little bit sort of a a regular season preview, what we're expecting for this year. Maybe we'll even get Gary Zillavi in and uh, he'll share some of his thoughts about what he thinks about the Packers heading into this season. That's going to just about do it for this week's episode of Blue 58. Thank you so much for checking in. Don't uh, don't be afraid to uh, check in with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Just uh, search the Power Sweep on Facebook and on Twitter to make contact in that way. Uh, For Gary Zillavy, I'm John Meerdink. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week here on Blue 58. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world, there's nothing. There is no life I know To compare with your imagination Living there You'll be free if you try.